0: Kentte tapınak görmedim. This is how the verse we read um, starts in Turkish. Kentte tapınak görmedim. Çünkü her şeye gücü yeten Rab Tanrı ve kuzu kentin tapınağıdır. Aydınlanmak için kentin güneş ya da aya gereksinimi yoktur. Çünkü Tanrı'nın görkemi onu aydınlatıyor. Kuzu da onun çırasıdır. Uluslar kentin ışığında yürüyecekler. Dünya kralları servetlerini oraya getirecekler. Kentin kapıları gündüz hiç kapanmayacak. Orada gece olmayacak. Ulusların görkemi ve zenginliği oraya taşınacak. Oraya murdar hiçbir şey, iğrenç ve aldatıcı işler yapan hiç kimse asla girmeyecek. Yalnız adları Kuzunun yaşam kitabında yazılı olanlar girecek. says The Word of God in Turkish. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ in Minnesota. Um, This is uh, a sermon I preached in Turkish uh, in our congregation uh, to the congregation, uh, the Protestant church in Smyrna. Um, Someone asked, um, um, what do you do? How do you share the gospel with Muslims? This is how we do it. We share the gospel message as is without adding or, uh, or taking anything off or, or making it light. Um, we have to preach Christ crucified as we preach Christ crucified in America, as in Canada, as in Turkey or Egypt or wherever we are. Um, the word has to be preached as it is. Um, and we are looking at the book of Revelation Oh dear friends, we have before us this morning the glory of Emmanuel's land. And the central dominant, all-encompassing feature of that land is this. The king is there in all of his beauty and we shall see him without a veil in all of his glory. God has given us, again here, some some grapes, some more grapes from the promised land. Um, He's given us yet another view from um, Mount Nebo, from the hills of Pisgah. Uh, Moses was there as he was tasting the grapes from the promised land, and he was looking with longing to the promised land. And this is what we're doing as we're reading this passage today. We are tasting these grapes. And let us taste the grapes of the promised land that we might hunger even more for its bounty. Um, Let us view the promised land from afar that we might continue on in our pilgrim way, going from strength to strength until we appear before God in Zion. Um, it is the glory of the New Jerusalem that is revealed to us here. And it is revealed to us in the first place in terms of its temple as we read it in verse 22. It says, but I saw no temple in it. I saw no temple in it. There is no temple in the New Jerusalem. We are given the impression that John looked for one uh, and fully expected to see one. And why wouldn't he? Um, After all, the temple um, was the defining, defining structure of the earthly Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem without the temple? When you go to Jerusalem even today, they show you where the temple was. What was Jerusalem without the temple? And yet, here in the New Jerusalem, much to John's surprise, there is no temple... The defining characteristic of the old Jerusalem is gone. It is not to be found. There is no temple. There is no temple for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Dear friends, we have a temple far beyond that of Solomon's temple. We have a temple far beyond um, that of the post-exilic temple. We have a temple far beyond that of um, Herod's temple. The temple in which we shall dwell is not made of human hands. The temple in which we shall dwell is not made of mortar and brick. The temple in which we shall dwell is none other than the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Perhaps Perhaps it helps to get at it from this angle, where did god 's people find refuge, strength, peace, joy, and comfort in the Old Testament, but under the shadow of god 's uh, wings in psalm seventeen eight we read, "Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the shadow of, of your wings psalm thirty six seven How precious is your steadfast love, O God, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me for you, for in you my soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Psalm 63, 7. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. And Psalm 91, 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Here before us is the fulfillment of all these texts, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. We see it um, uh, in Revelation 7.15. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night, in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Dear friends, do you see what is being communicated to us, to you here? The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. We shall dwell in God. Not that we become God, but his very presence shall be our dwelling place. He shall be our dwelling place. Does that sound strange to you? Let me remind you that that, uh, that was Moses' comfort for th- um, uh, thousands of years ago. In uh, Psalm 91-2, this is what we read. Lord, you have, me- you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were uh, brought forth. For even you have formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. God is the dwelling place of his people. He is our temple. Such is the glory of the new Jerusalem. It is revealed in its temple. But the glory of the new Jerusalem is revealed still further in terms of its light. Uh, in verses 23 to 26, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. You enjoy the full radiance and beauty of the sun and the moon here uh, in uh, in Minnesota. We were just talking about it last night. Um, not, not for the full year. I think we get it about 330 days in Izmir, in Smyrna. Um, you get it about 100 days, is that what I heard yesterday? About 100 days, maybe 90 days, maybe less. But you get the full radiance of the sun uh, here as well. You enjoy, uh, you can enjoy looking at the craters on the moon through um, a, a telescope. Um, it is glorious and beautiful to, to, to behold, to see some, some light sources up in the uh, skies, But the radiance and the beauty of the sun and the radiance and the beauty of the moon are only a faint reflection of the glory of God. In fact, in the new Jerusalem, there will be no need of the sun, no need of the moon. The light of the sun and the light of the moon will be rendered irrelevant, um, unnecessary. They will not be needed. Why not? For the glory of God um, illuminated it. The glory of God will illuminate the city. Uh, we shall dwell in the light of God's own glorious presence. In the Old Testament, God's glorious presence came down in the form of that cloud, that the Shekinah, uh, Shekinah cloud of his glory, and filled the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and later in the temple. Uh, my friends, the new heavens and the new earth will be a cosmic holy of holies, and all will be glory. And we shall, we shall have front row seats at that Shekinah glory. The glory of God shall illuminate all things. And John adds, the Lamb Shall be its light Literally, the lamp the, the, the lamb shall be its lamp. the lamb shall be its lamp. Um, once in the history of this world, Jesus Christ stood in the midst of the earthly Jerusalem and boldly cried out, "I am the light of the world. Um, in his risen glory, he is the light of the world to come. And how does Jesus bring light to? and life to men. Um, He does by his life and death. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, was shut out in in darkness upon the cross, dying to give his life. And yet, it is most remarkable and beautiful the the way in which John communicates these things to us in the Gospel of John. When we read, when when Matthew records the scene at the cross... um, he records the darkness that covered the land for three hours. Um, Jesus Christ was shut out in darkness. And then when Mark records the scene at the cross, he records the darkness that covered the land for three hours, and Jesus Christ was shut out in, um, in the darkness. And, and Luke records the scene at the cross. He records uh, the darkness that covered the land for three hours. And again, Jesus Christ was shut out uh, in darkness. Uh, but when John, the one who uh, constantly uh, setting before us throughout his gospel the themes of light and darkness, when John records a scene at the cross, he does not record the darkness. Did you, do you, did, did you see that? Um, it is not that John is unaware of the darkness. It is because John wants us to see something else. Um, John wants us to see at the cross, uh, uh, at the cross of Jesus Christ, the glory of Christ. For it is uh, there at the cross, as Jesus is lifted up, that he draws all peoples to himself, men and women from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and every ethnic group, every people group. Here on the cross, as the light of the world is shut out in darkness, Jesus actually accomplishes the redemption um, of all um, uh, um, that are are belong to him, of all his own. John turns our attention uh, to that once again in Revelation 21. Um, and, And notice in verse 24, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of earth bring their glory and honor into it. I want you to notice the nations here. Who are the nations? The nations are the company of the redeemed. Uh, Those who the Lamb has redeemed by His blood, um, out of every tribe, out of every tongue, and every people group, and every nation. Um, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, and and this is from Revelation 5, uh, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Those who are pictured, uh, those who are pictured as the 144,000 in Revelation 7, and And then again in Revelation 7, as the great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. As one author has written, the nations represent redeemed humanity in all its cultural divisions. The distinctiveness of different cultures and peoples is not simply wiped out, but redeemed in harmony with the picture in 1 Corinthians 12, of the unity and diversity of the body of Christ. You see, dear friends, God's plan is not exclusive. It is not for the Jews only. It is not for the Americans only. It's not for the Turks only. God's plan is for his people from every tribe, tongue, uh, nation, and, 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 and uh, uh, language, and people. Um, his elect from every nation shall be there. Uh, Indeed, the redeemed will be one kingdom of priests unto God, and yet that one kingdom of priests unto God will be made up of, of peoples from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And thus the glory of God will be magnified all the more. As, uh, as John Piper put it, um, and this is what he says, there is a beauty and power of praise that comes from unity in diversity that is greater than that which comes from unity alone. The beauty and power of praise that will come to uh, the Lord from the diversity of all of the nations are greater than the beauty and power that, uh, that would come to Him if the uh, chorus of the redeemed were culturally uniform. And Piper then points to the analogy of a choir and and, and writes, more depth of beauty is felt from a choir that sings in, in, in parts than from a choir that sings only in unison. Unity and diversity is more beautiful and more powerful than the unity of uniformity. This carries over the untold differences that exist between the peoples of the world. When their diversity unites in worship to God, the beauty of their praise will echo the depth and greatness of God's beauty For uh, far more than if the redeemed were, were from only a few different people groups. You see, there is no room in the church, uh, there is no room in the church of Jesus Christ for an ethnocentric pride that thinks that somehow we are better than all the rest uh, of the nations or all the rest of the uh, people in the world, more deserving of God's grace, more deserving of His benefits. God has His people from every tribe, tongue, nation, people, and all of them are saved by grace alone and by, um, by grace alone. The redeemed of the Lord from all peoples shall be there And and, and notice it says, they shall walk in the light of the Lamb. They shall walk in the light of the Lamb. Uh, Nations shall go about Zion. They shall walk uh, around Zion. They shall live in Zion. They shall conduct themselves in Zion in the light of the Lamb. There's something almost beyond description here. Um, All the imperatives of Paul... Um, um, shall be fulfilled for all eternity the, the redeemed of the Lord shall walk worthy of the calling with which they were uh, called for all eternity. The redeemed of the Lord shall set their minds on things above um, of all uh, for all eternity. The redeemed of the Lord shall do all of the, all of this willingly without uh, force, without compulsion without uh, with no need of law without struggle, but from their hearts. Isaiah thirty-five ten says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and, and sighing shall flee away. And they shall bring their glory and honor into the city. Uh, what does this mean? It means that In all of their activity, the redeemed of the Lord shall serve God with wholehearted devotion, commitment, and praise. And truly, truly, as priests of God, we shall be clothed with salvation's garments. We learn, furthermore, that the gates of the city are never shut. Uh, Verse 25 says, Its gates shall not be shut uh, at all by day. There shall be no night there. The gates of the city are always open. This does not mean that the wicked who are in the uh, the lake of fire have further opportunity to enter um, uh, the city. They could wish that it was it were so, but that 's not the point here. Uh, the point here um, rather is that there is no night, and with, with, no, na- with no night there is no need for the city gates to be closed, and there is no Danger? Absolutely no. Absolutely none. Uh, no need to fear an, an attack. No need to fear an intrusion. Um, and No need to close the gate. No need, need to um, uh, lock uh, them. Uh, no need to barricade them. And there is no need to shut them. Uh, never. Those gates will never be shut. Um, what a contrast this is to the end of the wicked. Uh, who shall have no rest day and night who shall dwell forever in outer darkness that eternity measured in terms of day and night forever and ever their world uh, their world too is a world without end and and they will know it every moment they live uh, but for the redeemed of the Lord, there is no day, no night, no sun to mark the day, no moon to mark the night. It is um, uh, eternal day, resting in the glory of the Lamb, serving Him forever and ever with with joy and and gladness, always growing in perf- in perfection and in service to God. That's that's the point here in uh, verse 26, uh, where it's stated uh, again, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. It is not that the nations bring gifts from from this world into the city. No, they bring themselves into the city. They bring themselves as those who have perfectly been justified and sanctified in the Lord. Such is the glory of the New Jerusalem. We have seen the glory of the New Jerusalem in its temple and in its light. Um, finally, we see the glory of New Jerusalem in its inhabitants. Uh, verse 27 says, "But there shall by no means enter it, uh, but there, there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an uh, abomination or a lie." There shall be nothing common, unclean, or unholy in the city. Within this city, all will be holiness to God, or all will be holiness to the Lord. There shall be nothing that is detestable to the Lord, nothing that causes desolation in the city. Within this city, all worship and honor and glory shall be ascribed uh, to the Lord, and, and, and that perfectly. Um, Uh, There shall be no lie, no falsehood, no lying uh, in the city. Within the city, all that is spoken is always true. You see, even as the physically unclean could not enter the temple of the earthly Jerusalem, so the spiritually unclean will never enter heavenly Jerusalem. There will be no place for unrepentant sinners in the new Jerusalem but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This statement, my friends, brings this whole passage into the present. Um, uh, these verses are not intended simply as beautiful speculation as uh, to what will happen in the sky by and by. Um, these verses are intended to bring the matters of eternity into the present. Um, for you see, when the consummation comes, when the new heavens and the new earth come, you will lose something that you have today. And that is the opportunity for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone, without, without exception. You have but one of two options before the judgment seat of Christ. Either you will be judged on the basis of all your works and deeds... Everything that you have ever done, all those things written down in the books that will be opened on that day. Or you will be judged completely, entirely on the basis of another. Um, uh, Horatius uh, Bonar wrote this: Upon a life, in, in this hymn, uh, upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die. Uh, in others' life, in others' death, I stake my whole eternity. Let me, put it, let me put it to you like this. Either you will be judged on the basis of everything you have ever done, or you will be judged on the basis of the, what the Lamb has done. All depends upon the Lamb, you see. Uh, my, uh, my friend, what is your relationship to the Lamb. Where is your confidence? Who is your comfort? Uh, And I plead with you this morning, forsake all confidence in yourself and trust wholly in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. This is the first rule of missions. This is the first rule of uh, church planting, Forsake all confidence in yourself and trust wholly in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. If you place your faith and trust in him, resting and leaning wholly upon him, then, my friends, of this I can assure you. In him you will appear so perfectly purified, so thoroughly washed, so completely justified and sanctified that you will, need, you will need not fear seeing the king face to face. You will live in his presence forever and ever, breathing forever the breath of life. This will be the air you breathe. This will be the atmosphere in, in which you live. As um, uh, my professor from Westminster uh, Seminary Um, Meredith Klein writes, the spirit is the breath of life, and hence the picture that emerges is that of heaven dwellers, those in the spirit atmosphere breathing continually afresh the breath of life. That is the secret of immortality. Such is the air you must breathe if you would see the king. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.